Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all the listeners of the Over Six Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, is the Turf King. On Thank a Super Day, it's Cam Charlton. What's going on, buddy? Oh, I mean, things are awesome right now. Miami Dolphins coming off a big win on the weekend. The Jays are sitting in the first wild card spot. Things are great in Sportsland right now. And then a huge announcement for us today. You're going to get to hear us twice a week. Yes, twice sir. a week. I think there's... Who's not excited about that? Actually, don't answer that. That is a very rhetorical because <laughs> there's probably <laughs> lots of people who do not want to hear us twice a week. But we know our loyal over six sports fans would love to hear us twice a week. So you'll hear us twice a week. We'll kind of go over a weekend recap, go over some headlines. And then later in the week, you'll get our picks for the coming weekend. Yeah, and I mean, the kind of reasoning behind it is, is, you know, obviously NFL is going to take up a lot of time and it's going to take up a lot of our kind of um, ideas, our discussions and all that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, you kind of spread it out a little bit. Then, you know, you get your recap show. If you don't want to listen to the recap show and you just want to tune in for picks, they're going to be separate, completely separate entities. Um, and so we're going to basically do two episodes at least until... Um, at least until the end of football season, probably, um, realistically is what we're probably going to do. Once you get into playoffs, I mean, then it just gets insane. Uh, lots of discussions, props, that kind of thing. So, um, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be more work and a grind, but that's the beauty thing. I mean, this is our first full NFL season as a podcast and we kind of caught the tail end last year. So, um, you know, bear with us, but uh, we kind of had a good week to start, uh, you know, our picks last week, and we're going to go over that recap shortly. Cam, before I do, you mentioned the Jays. Are you a believer yet, Burke? So here's the thing. I just want to put out a disclaimer because, like, lots of people have been mentioning to me, oh, like, how about them Jays? Like, you doubter. And I was like, okay, like, let's just keep in mind that on August 27th, which is three weeks ago, that like like not even three weeks ago two and a half weeks ago they had a four percent chance to make the playoffs four percent and our podcast came out prior to that date and i gave them like 20 percent how the fuck was i supposed to know that they were going to rattle off 15 of 17 and like that's by the way what i said they needed to do i said they needed to win 75 percent of their games and they've gone ahead and done that. I just wasn't sure with where the bullpen was at, which were the bats were what the bats were doing after terrible series, and then all of a sudden they flipped a switch. And I don't know what the fuck happened, but but I have a suspicion. Every time I call out somebody on this podcast, and we talked about this before, they go on and they do unbelievable things, except for the Maple Leafs. But I pumped their tires to Maple Leafs, so next year I'm definitely going to trash them all playoffs because it's 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 a no doubt. Like, if I say that they're shit and they're not going to be good, they turn around and they do the exact same thing. Or the opposite thing. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, and I mean, I think it really, like, as you mentioned, the Maple Leafs. And I think that's why you're such a doubter about Toronto sports franchises. Is you just came off this high of thinking, oh, the Maple Leafs were going to do good, and they disappointed you again. So you were just expecting to get disappointed by Toronto sports franchises all the time. You just, that's, that's the way you live your life. It's unfortunate. 
Well, other than the Raptors, I mean, but like to be fair, I did expect the Raptors to lose against Golden State. Like, I mean, you're right. There is some jadedness to it. Um, naturally, though, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, we all lived through the 15-16 season as well, where we kind of got let down. I mean, I know they went on a run, but they didn't win anything. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I just think, like, my father-in-law, shout out, Dave, has been, like, just every time they win, being like, oh, there's another Jays win. And it's like, I want to see them succeed. Like, I am not anti-Jay. I'm, I'm the opposite. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them win. Um, I'm a fan. It's just I was being realistic and objective for sports journalism purposes where I legitimately thought that it would be a massive uphill climb. And then all of a sudden, you not only catch up to the teams in wildcard, you sweep the Yankees, you lose a crappy one to the Orioles, and then you blow them out of the building after that. Like, it just it's just been an unbelievable run. Um, did you see the home run that Vlad hit, number 45? The third baseman almost caught it on a liner. And I don't know how that still got dude, over the wall. He smoked that thing. I'm like, I, I watched it probably five, six times. And I was like, how the fuck did that get out of the ballpark? Like, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Like, I actually, I, I didn't see the exit velocity on it. But like, oh my gosh, like just absolutely stomped. And like, Vladdy could get the triple crown. Shohei Otani is probably going to win MVP, which I think is, it, it's it's just such a tough thing. Uh, somebody tweeted out, I forget who it was. It might have been uh, Scott MacArthur. I forget, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, but they basically tweeted out, like, we needed a, a Shohei Otani award because he's not going to win the Cy Young. He probably won't win the Cy Young, and he probably shouldn't win MVP based on other criteria, but yet he should win all of those. It's like it's like a ridiculous kind of thing where it's like you need this Shohei Otani award separate of the two because, like, MVP, I mean, frankly, it's supposed to be for position players. And, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, look, look at all the position players pitch, who've won. No, yeah, the pitchers, pitchers do pitchers win. win. Yeah, but very not but as often. I, th- I think more the – thing you could go is he's not going to win the Cy Young and he's not going to win the Silver Slugger for DH or anything. No. But he's still the most valuable player. And it's unfortunate. The crazy stat is, is it would be if Vlad can win the Triple Crown, he would be the fifth person ever to win a Triple Crown and not win the MVP. So how crazy it seems, it's actually not that crazy. I think they were doing it only like 14 people have ever done the Triple Crown in a season. And he'd be the fifth one not to win MVP. So it's actually a fairly high percentage don't win MVP. But the season he's having is crazy. Like, his dad's a Hall of Famer. And he's already passed his dad's career high in home runs in a season. And he's 22 years old. Like, this is the honest question with Vlad is, where does it go from here? This guy's 22. Your peak in baseball, they say, is like 26. Can he actually get better than this? Is that even possible? Man, like, it's nuts. And... Can he get better? I mean, I think the answer is yes. I think that he, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he hits, can hit home runs. And now last year, the biggest problem was he had a lot of strikeouts, right? He could obviously hit bombs, but he wasn't very disciplined at the plate. And then this year, he's extremely disciplined at the plate. His walk, his on-base percentage has gone up. His numbers are off the charts. Like he does anything that the team needs for him to get on base, which is huge. He doesn't just swing for the fences every time. And yet he still has 45 home runs. Which is yeah, the biggest, insane. The biggest stat difference actually is his launch angle. He was hitting it harder than anyone in the majors last year, but he was hitting it on like liners or into the ground. Where this year he seems to have just changed his launch angle a little bit, where now he's hitting it up. 
But even when he doesn't hit it up or hits it flat, it still goes out. Like that's what you saw yesterday with the home run. The last thing I want to touch on the Jays quickly is they're playing the Rays. They have five more games against the Rays. They're only eight games back of the Rays. At the current pace they're going, they could legit have a chance at the division if they could sweep the Rays. Probably not going to happen. The no. Rays are better than the Yankees. They're better than the Orioles. We know that. But the Jays are playing them really well, and the Jays might be close to as good as them. So it's actually not out of the question how crazy it is. They're eight games back, but you play them five more times. You sweep those five games. The Rays have a tough end of schedule, and we get the Twins and Orioles a bunch. It's not out of the question, which is crazy to think of, especially two weeks ago when you're like, oh, yeah, they're six and a half out of the wild card. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it is helpful, too, that the Yankees have been on an absolute skid. And this is something we talked about. And this is what we talked. If you go back in our podcast and you listen to, I think, in June or May or whatever the case was, we talked about this. I think it was in relation to George Springer, how we basically said, like, it doesn't matter if he's hurt or doesn't play or whatever at the start. It's you have to stay consistent, stay in the hunt, stay in the hunt, stay in the hunt and peak at the end. And that's what they're doing. And this is when you have teams who have this Cinderella story, and they, they, they probably won't win it all this year. Maybe. Who knows? They might. I'm going to say they're not because then they might. Um, but they're, they're peaking at the right time. The Yankees peaked early, and then now they're in this skid. And then when you get in this skid late and you're running out of road, you're playing more tense because you're playing not to lose. And when you're playing not to lose, we all know how that works. As, again, a la Toronto Maple Leafs, you play not to lose, you lose games. Um, you play scared. The Jays are swinging the bats like they're on the sandlot, dude. They just don't care. Um, they're getting good enough pitching. I mean, more than good enough. Manoa last night was unbelievable, um, which is good, and that's what you need. Barrios has come around. Um, Ryu struggled against the O's, but he always struggles against the O's. But lots of positive things to uh, to come out of it, and they're currently down one nothing on the Rays, but who cares because, you know, they just kind of wait to the end of the game, score nine runs on you, and walk off. So. That's just how they're well, doing the right now. Craziest thing too is this entire time their run differential has been way above average. It's been one of the best in the AL. And you look at their lineup, other than their bullpen, which at the top end they have Romano and Meza, who have been really good. After that, it drops off in a hurry. Their rotation is one of the best in the AL. It consistently has been. It's been six deep that have been quite good. Ryu, who I know you paid him to be your ace, he's still been a really good third, and that's all he needs to be for you. You have Robbie Ray, who's been in the Cy Young talk. Burrios, who's been unbelievable. Ryu. Mats has been solid. One of the best ERAs over the last month and a bit. Stripling's been decent when you've needed him. And Manoa was unbelievable yesterday. Yeah. And you look at when you come to playoffs. This is why this team, you don't know how far they can go if they can sneak in. Their starting rotation is unbelievable. And it needs to get smaller in the playoffs. Your bullpen gets smaller too. And you add those really good starting pitchers in there. And this lineup is unbelievable. So you never know once you get into playoffs because the parts of the Jays that are an issue end up not becoming an issue when you tighten the rosters a little bit. So we'll see. I'm excited to see the stretch and hopefully they can get in the playoffs and you never know what can be done then. That's what Buster, I think it was Buster Posey who said it, that nobody in the AL wants to see the Blue Jays make the playoffs. Not one team wants that smoke. And if that's not a testament to a team that you've built, and keep in mind, this is not even their window. Next year is the first year of the window, in my opinion. I mean, they, they were not expected to compete this year. They were good enough to make roster moves and try to compete, but next year the window is open, 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 
and let's see if they can get do some damage in the playoffs this year. But, Cam, we have to get – do we have any other headlines, by the way? Because I know that we have some NFL talk. Uh, crazy week in the NFL. We got we to gotta quickly touch on the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah, when sorry, yes. We were yes. doing our podcast last week. Okay, we touched duh, on a duh. couple of it. And how bittersweet it was at the end. It was still an unbelievable weekend. We had Felix Algeali-Seam losing in the semifinals to the eventual champion Medvedev. And he was really one volley away from making that an incredible match. If he hits one volley, he steals the second set and it turns into a match. It ended up, you give a guy like Medvedev any bit of hope or any make one mistake and he smells blood and it was over. And then Layla just ran out of gas. She had a way tougher lineup. She beat three top five opponents plus Angelique Kerber, who's a multi Grand Slam winner. But 18 year, or 19, she turned 19 last week, making a Grand Slam finals and really proving herself well. She gave never gave up that entire match, and it was unbelievable to watch. And 1.25 for your 19th birthday is okay. Not not bad at all. Shout out to the the winner, um, Radicuna from born in Toronto. From the lives in the UK, moved there when she was two, so she's kind of Canadian. We in a sense had two Canadians. I'm sure she has her Canadian passport, so you know that's not bad. We'll we'll take it. We'll take it as a dub. Um, future's bright for for Canadian tennis, no doubt. As a Federer fan, uh, it was very very sweet to see Djokovic lose. Um, I mean, it's no doubt that next year he's winning one of the four. So I mean, it'll be short lived. We're spared another year, uh, but I mean, as you said, like he's going to be the greatest of all time unfortunately but um medvedev was just unbelievable and again you talk about running out of gas i don't know if joker was i think he just i personally think that he ran out of gas and you you had a lot of pressure and medvedev uh had played him in the olympics and beat him in the semis i believe it was and yeah sometimes you get in that right in sports where you just can't do something you can't get out of the first round you can't beat somebody and he's had joker's number this summer i'm sure that he'll make uh, adjustments but shout out to him for for, for medvedev for taking that title yeah there's definitely one thing i noticed over the u.s open here is there's a clear difference between the first and second player and the re- everybody else medvedev and djokovic are in a league of their own right now and there's a big gap between second and third and djokovic and medvedev are kind of fighting for first overall and we got a couple of the young Canadians who are showing themselves well, so hopefully in a couple of years they can start to get some wins. But this women's side is still super impressive with Bianca and now Leila Annie Fernandez showing it. It's it's going to be fun to watch for years, and it's just exciting. This is Canada's got to be the number one tennis nation right now. We have four Canadians under 23 years old, two on each side who are in the top, I think, 15 now. I think Layla's still just outside, but she was just in the finals of a major. I think she moved up to about 21st in the world, but it's just unbelievable. And these, it's so young. And again, you, you look at it, your prime for tennis, probably 25 to 27. They're not even in their primes yet. They yep. still got a few years before that and they're competing in majors and fairly consistently. So it's unbelievable to see. And I'm excited to watch it. Me too. It's, and that season's wrapped up. So we'll, uh, Wait for the Aussie Open, I believe, <clears throat> the first one coming up in, in January. <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, can't wait for that. All right. Is it time? It's time. All right. Let's do it. Week one, over six, NFL picks wrap-up. Recap, wrap-up, whatever you want to call it for week one. We had a pretty good week. 
couple of stinker games that we're going to talk about that we're all pretty choked up about. One in particular may have had something to do with a lock, but we're going to start it off with the first game of the NFL season, which was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And this game did not disappoint. Cam, who did we have for this game and what ended up happening here? Yeah, Tampa Bay ended up pulling out the game 31-29. The line was 9 you had confidence in Dallas. I did not. I didn't think they were going to be good enough. That O-line was going to be trash against this defense, and I was wrong. And that's that's the big thing. Dak looked okay, but this defense was horrible for Tampa. Like, you, you could expect Dallas's offense to be good, but Tampa, I know they had two injuries. They were missing four starters in the secondary, but their defense was not good. Not good at all. They didn't get any pressure to Dak, and they couldn't really do much. Well, which is nuts, because if I told you that Zeke only had five fantasy points, you would have told me that Dallas lost, but they didn't. Like, that's the crazy part. Zeke had a horrible game, and Dallas lost by two. I don't right? know if you spent much time on Twitter after that game. All I kept seeing was, oh, my God, Zeke, what an amazing blocker. <laughs> like, is that really what you want to hear as a yeah. fantasy owner? What an amazing blocker Zeke is. How many points do you get for a block, Ken? Zero. Zero. Not any at all. I did like the the, the meme, which like, this is the uten- these are the utensils that Zeke ate with, and it was like a spoon with a giant hole in it and a half sawed off fork. And I was like, that's that's pretty good. So, all right. So I went one up after that. I have the faith in them, Cowboys. Yeah, and I mean overall, that's just two teams who you definitely want to add to your fantasy lineups. Both offenses look like they're going to be really good. That Tampa D, which I thought would be a top defense in fantasy. I might stay away. I might stash them. I don't know if I want to throw them in, but it'll, we'll see come week two. But uh, moving along to our 1 o'clock game times, let's start it off with a crazy game. Philly at Atlanta. Philly just took it. 32-6. to six. You thought Philly would do it? I was going to cover Atlanta in that offense, and boy, was I wrong. Man, the Falcons, like, okay, the Jags look bad. And we're going to get there. And I I had some faith in the Jags and they got steamrolled. But the Falcons this weekend were were and looked like the worst team in the NFL. And Matt Ryan looked awful. Couldn't throw anything. Like couldn't like couldn't throw it, couldn't move. He's looking like an old quarterback that shouldn't be there anymore. Kyle Pitts was disappointing, especially from a fantasy aspect. And they just couldn't get anything going. And then not only that, on the defensive side of the ball, they were just absolutely atrocious. I mean, they got pressure on Jalen Hurts a bunch. Like, there's, there, there's, I think, a highlight pack out there of, like, eight times they were within arm's reach. And he just, you know, did a couple sidesteps. And they, they couldn't wrap him up. They couldn't get it done. They left guys open just right along the flat, like, all game. And, and again, this is classic Atlanta. Classic, classic Atlanta. Their Twitter was just blowing up. Our fan of the show, Ryan, was just tweeting our, you know, like I think he, every Facebook post Atlanta did. He posted the photo of our expectation. Our expectations were low for you this year, but holy fuck, he posted that like 18 times. And I'm like, man, this is this is what happens when you kick the kick the the can down the road for a, an old guy's contract and leave him on the team. You can add whoever, whatever piece you want. When your defense is shit and your quarterback's not good enough. You're not going to be a good team. No, and I don't think anyone thought this defense was going to be very good, but everyone was pretty high on this offense. Matt Ryan's still proven he can throw the ball, but he did not look good. He didn't not look Sunday. any pressure came, and he was in trouble. 
And I mean, it just goes back to the draft is you had a top pick. I get Kyle Pitts as a unicorn. People want to put him into the Waller Kelsey territory, but what's it going to do if you waste his career with a quarterback, no def- no quarterback, no defense. It's, it's rough for Atlanta and they're, they're worse than I thought they were. I, I didn't think either of these teams were, were going to be good. And I'll give credit to Philly. They looked better. They looked healthier. Their D-line and O-line were much better. Jalen Hurts looks manageable. I don't know if he was great, but he looked like he could scramble well. And so we'll see. Uh, but again, Atlanta's D is not good, so I don't I don't know how to rate that. But again, Atlanta still scares me. Like, yeah, I just I didn't think they were as bad as they were going to be, especially offensively. So I think for me, I, just, I won't dwell on it too, too long, but I think for me, um, Philly's gone up a little bit for me. Um, I mean, I don't, I still don't think they're winning the division by any stretch, um, but they look good. I mean, Jalen Hurts looked good. It, it is what it is. His his mobility was awesome, and maybe if they play a real defense, it it will be different. Like I don't know. Like that's very very possible, but I don't know. Yeah, no, he definitely look better than Carson Wentz did at the start of last year. I'm definitely giving <clears throat> Philly's team overall, their lines and everything, a huge bump. They're I think from game one, they're going to be better than I thought it than I thought, but it just also might just be Atlanta's way worse than we anticipated. Cause if they could do more on offense, Philly would have the ball less, but. And it's I not going to get we'll any, that's... it's not going to get any easier for them next weekend. They got the defending Super Bowl champs in town or they're going there. I forget where the game actually is. We'll get to that uh, in our second episode this week, but it definitely does not get any easier for the birds. That's for sure. Nope. So moving into our third game, which is uh, it was a big game, especially for the AFC East. We had the Steelers heading to Buffalo and the Steelers pull up the upset 23, 16 bills were favored by six and a half and Pittsburgh just won straight up. So uh, I had Pittsburgh covering. I thought it was too many points given that D and you had Buffalo pulling it through. And I was right. That defense was unbelievable again. And they look like they're going to be one of the top units all year. Killed me in fantasy because, again, I even thought Buffalo's offense was going to be yep. good. They were going to win the game. Killed me in fantasy for deciding to bench Pittsburgh's D, which was stupid. But this defense looks legit. And as I kind of thought, like Ben's just going to find a way to get it done. Yeah, and I, don't, I wasn't overwhelmed by their offense by any means, Pittsburgh. But, I mean, the Bills just did not look like the Bills from last year. Like, credit to the Steelers. They had a lot of pressure. Um, their coverage was excellent, um, but I mean, there's lots of teams that Josh Allen played last year who got pressure, had really good coverage, and they still made it work, right? They made adjustments and they made it work. So 16 points from the Bills is extremely disappointing. And the question is going to be, they're playing Miami in week two, um, you know, and we'll, we'll get that again, we'll get to that later. But it's one of those things where if they start the year off poorly, then that makes me start to question, okay, like, is this Bills team legit? Were they, I mean, again, is that an overreaction after week one? This is what happens. Like, you're going to have massive overreactions one way or the other that this team sucks or this team's good. It it takes two, three, four weeks. But again, that's still like 25% of the season. So we got to keep that in mind. So you you can't have, the leash can't be too long for these guys if saying they're shit or or whatever. So I don't know. I just was not impressed by the Bills. Uh, Great for Miami and the AFC East no doubt. And, um, yeah, I didn't feel good taking that L I'll, 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 I'll tell you that I had a good week, but that was one that I was pretty choked about. Yeah. And I think that just goes back to, you were really low on Pittsburgh before the year. And I was a lot higher on them. I still think their defense is going to be top end and Ben. And I think that's part of the reason, like to me, they're still both good teams in the AFC and they're both going to make the playoffs. No problem in my mind. 
I know you had Pittsburgh missing. So again, maybe that's why the loss feels worse, but uh, it didn't take too much away from the bills. I think they'll adjust Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are too good, but they got a big one coming next week. It's almost a must win in week two, which seems crazy, but uh, we'll move along to the next game. And it was the Sam Darnold FU game, Carolina, at home to the Jets laying four and they covered not by much and really off one big play 57 yard touchdown by Robbie Anderson which you expected Sam Darnold and him had good chemistry when they were in New York and they did it again in Carolina not on many touches but I'd say this game pretty much was where I thought it would be I thought maybe Carolina could put up a few more points with Darnold but we both had Carolina covering and they did yep and I and this is one that you don't really overthink. Um, I mean, I, I thought Wilson was not bad, right? I thought he looked okay. I mean, the Jets definitely look like a better team, especially defensively. Um, they definitely look better this year than than last. Um, but at the end of the day, you start zero one, and the Panthers are one and zero, and they've you know got a nice schedule to kind of start the year. Uh, it gets a lot of, a lot tougher down the stretch, um, but good to see for for Panthers fans that that Sam Donald actually had a, a decent. A decent game um but again again I, this doesn't move the needle for me kind of either way because it's the jets and it's the panthers like if the jet if the panthers did this to say the bucks then okay maybe i'd be you know i'd be like all right that's something to to look at or whoever but um against the jets it's like eh. man no this game this game script played out to the way I thought these teams were. Carolina's going to have an okay year. I think they're going to be middle of the pack. They're going to miss the playoffs. And the Jets are going to have a huge rebuilding year and a promising year. They're not going to win a ton of games, but Zach Wilson's going to show signs. This defense is going to show signs, and it's going to be promising. Week one, pretty much exactly what I thought. A middle team beats a not-so-good team, but a promising team who shows signs. That's the game script I saw, and it played out perfectly. And so and the line was right. Points. Yeah, yep. the line was right. They won by five. The line was four. So that's one thing we learned in this week is most of these lines are pretty decent. So that game, pretty much identical to how we wrote it off. The next game. The next game. Oh, no. We had Minnesota oh. going to Cincy. Uh. Minnesota was lying three and a half. Oh, <laughs> Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I just I just got to go on Twitter and watch this. I mean, I guess 27 to 24 Bengals in overtime, but watch Arash Madani from Sportsnet tweet. And he thinks Kirk Cousins might be the worst quarterback ever. And he just keeps tweeting about how Kirk Cousins is in his plexiglass room or whatever and tearing this team apart. And nothing about this Minnesota team looked good. Dalvin Cook looked awful. Oh, man. Uh, Blew the game basically cost a lot of people a lot of money, including and, me and including you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was not good. I don't even want to talk about this game too much. We were both way off. We thought this was easy. I mean, I locked it up as my lock. You wanted to lock it up as your I lock wanted if to I didn't take it. Yep. Um, Minnesota's just. I mean, I will give credit to Cincy. Jamar Chase looked yep. really good. Joe Burrow looked good. They gave him enough time. There is. Credit where credit's due. Since he looked better than I thought they were, and Jamar Chase showed why he was picked where he was. But Minnesota, man. Like, I thought Mike Zimmer would figure out this defense a little bit. You got Dalvin Cook. You got Justin Jefferson. You got Adam Thielen. And, and no. those guys didn't have bad games, by the way. Like, like, Dalvin obviously did not have... But, like, Thielen had a great game. Yeah. Fantasy-wise, he and, put up a bunch of points. He had two touchdowns. Jefferson, you know, was 10. He had a bunch, bunch of yards, bunch of catches. But it, when it comes down the stretch, like... 
if the Vikings are like in the playoff hunt and they end up missing by a game, this is one you're going to circle on the calendar and be like, how did you let a game to a subpar team get away like that? You cannot like that fumble, man, that cannot happen that in overtime, dude, no chance. I mean, this is the same and we'll get to the Patriots game later, but you can't fumble at the end of the game, Harris. Like it just can't happen if you're a Pats fan, and like, and same with like again, Dalvin Cook's not a guy like he's. You're, if you're a fantasy owner, you're a fan. You're very comfortable with the ball in his hands. I would be less comfortable with Zeke, obviously, but then Dalvin done pulls a Zeke and like man, just killed us. So anyway, that's a that's that's like the biggest L of the week. One of the biggest L's of the week, no doubt. Oh yeah, that's a that's a game that the books probably just loved because oh. everyone thought this line was way off, and I mean, I guess it was. There's of, an but... odds maker out there right now, just like absolutely out of his mind, and just got like like promoted and like signed to a five year deal for that line alone. Like his bosses were probably like, "Fucking Minnesota minus three and a half? Are you fucking kidding me? If they if we lose the fuck ton of money on this spread, your ass is in the fire. You're done." And this chap with balls. Like just the size of the dome on the CN Tower, walked up to his boss the next day, slapped down like twenty mil and and losing tickets on the Vikings, and was like, "Suck it, I'm your boss now. You can call me daddy." And just walked out the door. Man, yeah, I don't want to talk about this game much more. I want to talk about the next one because the next one was kind of fun. We had San Fran going to Detroit, lying eight. Game finished forty one thirty three, which it's just a push. We both took Detroit for that, and yep. they, they uh, kept it to eight. And as we said, Dan Campbell is not going to let this team get blown out in week one. And I have to say, we have to give some credit to Jared Goff, how bad he is. He made a ton of plays. I mean, the one thing I did learn is, does Detroit have a wide receiver? Because it's TJ Hawkinson and both running backs. And yep. I'm not sure any wide receivers play on that team. But they found a way to scrap back. And I mean, I think that's actually bad on San Fran. They shouldn't have let this Detroit team back in the game and Detroit's D is not good, but again, Dan Campbell was going to not let this team lose by a bunch. And you kind of saw what both teams are, I guess, but I don't really know where to go after that with this game. (laughs) The one thing that I will say is, is that Detroit was down a lot. Like, they were down a lot, and they came back and made it somewhat of a game. I don't think for, for San Fran that the game was ever out of hand. Um, but, you know, they got it within eight points. Debo Samuel had a massive game, 189 yards and a touchdown. Great fantasy play. One guy on my team. Um, but the big news out of that game, uh, Mostert goes out with a knee injury done for the season. Um that's, you know, they, they got some backup guys. Elijah Mitchell will be a huge waiver wire pickup this week. But, um, man, like, it's like most are just can't catch a break. Like, cannot catch a break. Injured at the end of last season. Injured to start this season. Um, I, I foresee that his future with San Francisco is going to be limited. Um, so a costly, a costly victory, but a victory nonetheless. And, and a couple of pushes for you and I. Yeah, and it was just a weird game from San Fran. I mean, we we kind of learned that Shanahan does this. Brandon Ayuk was not involved in the game plan at all. It just sounds like Shanahan's not happy with him. So he just moved down the depth chart. You're really hoping for big things in fantasy from Brandon Ayuk. They drafted Trey Sermon with a decent pick this year to be their backup running back to take some of that pressure off Mosert because you know he's going to get injured every year. You yep. know he's going to be decent when he plays, but he's going to get injured. 
and Trey Sermon was a healthy and active, which was just kind of shocking. So somewhere down the line, he lost whatever they saw in him because he was a great college running back. And so now it's just kind of weird. Like Elijah Mitchell's going to be their RB1, but now especially got to see Trey Sermon's going to come in and he's definitely higher skilled. So I think it's going to be confusing. I'm not as high as Elijah Mitchell as a lot of people are, and we'll touch on that later. But yeah, it's just kind of weird. Like I don't understand why Trey Sermon and Brandon Ayuk, their top picks for San Fran in the last couple of years, and they just seem to lose it with Shanahan and that hurt it. All I know is that uh, is that Shanahan doesn't go to church and doesn't want to hear the sermon. Next game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we got to move on in a hurry. <laughs> Come on. That was so good. The next game, I think I was the only person I ever heard of getting this game right because I believed in Tyrod Taylor. Ugh. Houston, 37. Jacksonville, 21. Jacksonville was favored by three going to Houston. And I took this in a survivor pool because wow, college coaches first year and rookie quarterbacks do not get it done. And Urban Meyer didn't look like he wanted to be there at the end of the game. Yeah, He's like, I just got paid a shit ton of money and that's why I'm here. And Tyrod Taylor proved again that this guy is a decent NFL quarterback. He was decent in Buffalo. Wouldn't have left if they weren't going for a rebuild. He probably was going to be decent for LA, but then the doctor stabbed him. So that ended it. <laughs> but I mean, Houston's the doctor defense. with the, the doctor with the needle in the tent in the lung, um, man, but this is what I thought, especially week one, Houston was going to be decent. They have some decent players. Brandon cooks had a huge game. Mark Ingram had a massive yeah, game. He did. And Tyrod Taylor was solid. And this is just exactly how I expected week one to come out. Like, no team was going to play defense. Both their defenses are horrible. But Houston was going to find a way to get it done because they actually have some pieces, and they did. And Jackson, uh, Trevor Lawrence did not look comfortable. And if my stat's correct, that is the first regular season game that Trevor Lawrence has ever lost. Um, high school, college, and now the NFL. Correct. The first game he's ever lost in the regular season. Obviously, he lost a championship game, but... Did not lose a regular season game. So welcome to reality, dude. Welcome to the NFL. Um, I think they'll figure it out. I just, the mojo just wasn't there. And like credit to you, you had it right. And you did say rookie quarterback or rookie quarterback and rookie head coach don't get along. Uh, now they don't get along, but they don't uh, generally mesh well and get the job done. And, and they didn't. Um, again, I'm still low on the Texans. This win doesn't change anything for me. And you kind of said that they're going to split. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm not by no means am I high on the Texans. I just thought this was <laughs> just a for massive. That yeah, 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 just for yeah. this game. Week one, I was huge on them. After this, I, I they might lose every other game the rest of the season, but week one they were winning. That's right. <laughs> Moving along, right. Seattle at Indy. Seattle was favored by three, and this was the other game that we thought this line was way off, and it was. And it this was. Seattle team is so good. Let Russ cook. DK Lockett. Everybody looked good on that offense. Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. At the end of the day, Carson Wentz just is who he is, and I don't think he's going to be a difference maker there, and the Seattle team's really good. And this is my lock. After after I got kicked off the Viking spot, thank goodness, Cam, you saved me from embarrassment. Um, click, click, lock it up, boom, hit it. Um, the, yeah, this is one of those two lines that really, really stood out, and one of them was fake news. Um, and this one was bang on and probably should have been more, probably should have been six and a half, could have been 10 G's. Like it was just, 
it was not it was not even really a game. It was never in doubt. Um, anyway, but awesome. Uh, awesome, awesome. They hit the first lock of the year. You're going to bounce back next week with your lock. No doubt about it. You should have locked up the Texans. That's what I, I would have loved. If you picked the survivor pool Texans, you should have locked the Texans up. I would have loved to see that. Yeah, I definitely should have. I took that in a survivor pool. Cause I, again, thought it was one and who's going to get the Texans out of the way. Now I don't have to use the Texans ever. So I kept every other team in the loop. Uh, let's just move along to the next game. We had Arizona going to Tennessee. Tennessee was favored by three. I thought this Tennessee offense would be better when it was. You trusted Arizona and Kyler looks great. D hop looks great. Everybody on that offense looked good. And they're Tennessee just can't stop anybody. What Chandler Jones had five sacks, five sacks. Chandler Jones had more sacks in that game than JJ Watt had all of last year. Like, I know he was nuts. Like five, like he actually might have. He might be halfway to his bonus already. I don't even know what his bonus structure is, but he legit in one game might be at his bonus or pretty darn close. Like it's nuts. And I forget the guard that he, it was. It was Lewin that he kept blowing up, and Taylor Lewin came. Lewin. Yeah, he came out on Twitter and was like, "Yeah, that's my bad. I got embarrassed tonight. I'll be better." But like, dude, just could not stop him. Just abs every snap. It was like he's like. <laughs> Tannehill was in danger of getting killed every play. Yeah, and they couldn't get King Henry going because if your line's just going to collapse like that every play, like, I don't know what you do. And credit to Arizona. Like, their offense was unbelievable. Uh, Kingsbury seemed to figure it out. This Tennessee defense is not good. We've not learned that for years now. Yep. Their offense should be really good if they can protect Tannehill and give some time. But their defense is horrible. Losing their OC this year might have been huge. They played a lot of uh, play action last year, which is huge with uh, Henry. And they did basically none of it last week, which I think hurts because now Chandler Jones doesn't have to worry about play action. So he can just run at Tannehill nonstop. I think you play play action. You get that movement. I think it really impacts Jones for the sacks. But I think one thing I learned this week is the NFC West is unbelievable. Yep. And the AFC South is not very good. So... We should have picked that up earlier. We should have known that going into the week, and we did on some of these. But yep. that was a game where I just definitely thought wrong. I, well, I, we, I was we, wrong. And we, well, it's just fair. I mean, we talked about this, and like the, thing, the one of the reasons that I was just high on Arizona is like again, I thought they were going to do well in that division, and and they did. And man, I don't know. Like I traded uh, Jonathan Taylor for D Hop an hour before the game uh, in fantasy. And D Hop rattles me off like twenty seven, like it was unbelievable. Kyler was scrambling over the place again, looking like a toddler. He looks ridiculous, and we we know this. He looks ridiculous when he scrambles, but he does it so effectively. They they, they can, like they're just good, and their defense again is like that was a big question mark. Can their defense stand up and and do their thing? And they did. So we'll have to see uh, if that can hold on for next week too. But I think it will. Yeah, I mean, I think seeing this uh, defensive line go up against a decent offensive line will be a big trying to figure it out. Because if you can get that much pressure, it makes your defense look unbelievable. We'll see how they can do if they can't get that much pressure. Because Chandler Jones is good, and same with J.J. Watt, but they were unbelievable five years ago. Now they're just good. So yep. Chandler Jones isn't pulling off five sacks a game or anything. No. He's not Aaron Donald. He's, he's still a no. good lineman, but he's not the best in the league or anything. So we'll see what happens then. Moving into the next game, we had the L.A. Chargers going to Washington, Washington laying one. This was a coin flip to me, and it was. I took Washington thinking that it would be. You took L.A. 
finished 2016 for Chargers. So really not different than the script I thought, other than Fitz got injured. So to me, that if you threw Heineke in there, actually he was fine. I just I thought the game good. script would be yeah, like they were they were fine. I mean it was a, it was a pick'em game to me, and it turned out to be a four point is basically a pick'em. So and Washington I mean, blew it. Loss, yeah, Antonio Gibson fumbled hard. down the stretch. Yeah, no, I mean Antonio Gibson fumbled down the stretch. Uh, on kind of that home stretch drive, if Fitz doesn't get hurt and that ball doesn't get fumbled, I mean, this has kind of been the story of the week. Honestly, if you look at three of the games where a fumble decided the game and turnover differential, right? Like, this is what affects it. I mean, the only team that got away with turnovers was the Bucs. Um, like, that was it. Like, they had a crap ton of turnovers and it didn't matter. But Antonio Gibson, early season fumble, that's going to be common in the first couple of weeks of the year. You're going to see a lot of turnovers because guys are rusty. There's going to be lots of mistakes. Um, and this is why the first couple weeks in the NFL are very difficult to bet on um, and pick because it just it can go either way. You see a lot of upsets. Um, and, yeah, we'll get we'll get to a stat about upsets kind of near the end here. But it was, yeah, it was just another one of those games. That I don't think it was an upset by any means, but – um, Chargers showing that they could they could hold on to a lead down the stretch and get the job done. Yeah, I think a coaching change there looks awesome through week one. We know Anthony Lynn was horrible. But, yeah, that, that was one where if I lost it, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That game was a toss-up, and it came down to being a toss-up. So yep. pretty much the line was right to me there. And we'll uh, move along to the next game, which was Cleveland to KC. KC laying five and a half. And – like you've said, this comes down to fumbles. Nick Chubb fumbling at the inopportune time really was the difference in the game. Cleveland should have won this outright. We both took the Browns five and a half, which was easy. We thought this game would be really tight, but Cleveland should have won this straight up, finished 33-29. And yeah, this is the story of week one, just fumbles at inopportune times. And KC is not a team you can give any bit to. And Mahomes just went stupid too at the end. Like, oh. They they were down by a bunch of points and the brownies were rolling, like they were like lateraling at the end of the second quarter, like before the half, like just playing around, having a good time. Chubb had a couple touchdowns. Kareem had a touchdown. Like they were rolling, and then Mahomes is just like, okay, that's enough. We're gonna go out and win this game, and that's just what happens when you have a general like a, a generational talent like him, um, matched with Cheetah. Uh, and Kelsey and just an absolute unbelievable offense and having that offensive line back this year and fully healthy, like that's huge for them. Um, they were able to get it done late, but as you said, and as I said, like the, the, the fumbles at the end of the game just doesn't help them. Uh, buddy of mine's a big Browns fan and you know, I, I I'm still high on the Browns. This hasn't, to me, this actually has, uh, boy, like made me more optimistic of the Browns. The fact that they, went out that much. I mean, they still lost the game, but definitely a learning experience for them. And I think throughout the season, you're going to see them do this to a lot of teams. And if they can kind of build on learn, learn from those lessons and just kind of try to control the game a bit better, they got a little loose control the game a bit better. They should have more success, uh, more success in the playoffs this year. Yeah. That's what shocks me about this Browns team. You're such a good running team and not to be able to hold it down. It does for one thing, help me and to think the Browns are going to be really good this year. Yeah. But it also on the downside to me, this shows that they're not going to be able to get through the AFC. They're not going to be able to win a game against KC in the championship or anything if they get that far. So that's where it's a downgrade to me. Like they're still going to be a good team. They're going to make the playoffs in my opinion, but these tight close games against good teams is they didn't get it done. And that just kind of, I think that might be a trend that's going to continue. 
Well, we'll see. Well, we will see, and that's the beauty about having uh, 16 more or 17 more weeks in the NFL is that the, this trend line is going to play out and it's going to go one way or the other. So moving into the next game, this might be one of the most shocking games of the week. We had Green Bay going going to New Orleans in Jacksonville, laying three and a half. They lost 38 to three. They yeah. were laying three and a half points, and they didn't even score three and a half points. Aaron Rodgers looked horrible. And I'm all about this conspiracy theory that Aaron Rodgers went to Green Bay just to ruin the year for them, and he's going to get out of there after this year and just <laughs> destroy the franchise as much as he can in yeah, one year. Yeah. We both took Green Bay, and we were way wrong. And I mean, I mean, James Winston, though. Like, come on. But you can't even, like... Yes, he had five touchdowns. He threw it for 148 yards. Like, Green Bay just was awful. Their defense was awful. Their offense was awful. They turned it over at the wrong places, which set up pretty easy plays. I mean, Jameis, credit to him. He made yep. the plays when he needed to, but 148 yards doesn't jump off the docket or anything. No. And I mean, Kamara, their starters didn't even play in the fourth quarter. This game was, yeah, I just don't, I don't even... I don't think we can really discuss this no. game because I don't think there's much to discuss, honestly. So uh, The one thing that I will say before we move into the next game is that thousands of people, if not tens of thousands of people, sport uh, athletes, regular people, are rushing to LASIK eye surgery clinics as we speak to get their eyes fixed after seeing what Jameis Winston did in week one. Yep, that's uh, uh, lots of people. They're like, his agent better be on the phone with every LASIK person, getting advertisements, getting promotions. Everything. Hi, I'm Jameis Winston. You might know me as the guy who did 30 for 30, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in one season. After LASIK eye surgery, I threw five touchdowns, zero interceptions in week one, and you can too with LASIK eye surgery. Sign up today with the code 30 for 30 and get your LASIK eye surgery now. Moving into our second last afternoon game on Sunday, Denver went to New York laying three points and they covered quite easily. I had them Mm -hmm. covering. You didn't. I told you this Denver team is better than you think they are. Their defense is really good. Their offense is manageable. Teddy two gloves is just consistent. He doesn't make mistakes. He makes the plays, the boring, easy plays and he's fine. But again, you have a really good defense. And the other thing we learned, Daniel Jones is horrible. Well, Daniel Jones is not good. Yeah, it didn't look good for Danny Dimes. Also, uh, big bad problem for the Broncos is Jerry Judy out for the year. Um, that's not good. That's not good at all. No. One of the best players last year, though, for them, Tim Patrick, getting some more time. He actually almost had more shares or more plays he was involved in before Judy went out. So Tim Patrick's going to be a big guy to watch on. Fantasy and Sutton stuff. didn't get hurt either, eh? No, so that's you got Sutton stuff. Both tight ends looked really good. Albert O looked good. Noah Fant looked good. So I'm not that concerned. Again, this offense isn't what you need to rely on. It's this defense. So they got the job done quite easily against a team whose defense didn't look as good as they should either. Like we knew the Giants' offense was going to suck because Daniel Jones, but this defense didn't look as good as they should. They gave up 27 points to Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, let me ask you this: Who looked better? Daniel Jones or Aaron Rodgers? Uh, well, I, I can't take Daniel Jones over Aaron Rodgers any day. <laughs> I don't even care. Daniel or Aaron Rodgers could have thrown 10 INTs, two fumbles. 
Aaron Rodgers has still looked better. Somehow. Did you see the stat about Aaron Rodgers? I told, I can't believe I didn't mention this, but they basically somebody tweeted out and said if Aaron Rodgers threw every like every time he got the ball threw it into the dirt, his passer rating would have been better than his actual passer rating from that game. Yeah, that's rough. That's every pass into the dirt, he would have had like a thirty nine point six passer rating, and he was like thirty eight two. That's outrageous. Like like. You can't even say that's a bad game. That's just like legitimately just you shouldn't even stepped on the field. Like if they wanted you to spike it all game, like come on, like just craziness. But anyway, outlier doesn't matter. So the last afternoon game of Sunday, Miami went to New England. New England lying three. Miami with the upset in week one, taking it to Belichick, taking it to New England. 17-16, you had Miami covering. I had the... Patriots winning and covering, or you had Miami. They were a three-point dog. So yeah, I had them winning. Wanna, Go yeah. back and listen to the podcast from last week and listen to what I said about the Miami Dolphins. And I will toot my own horn here, and I was right. They came in. They got the job done. They covered. They won, and they won in New England. Move on. Like, and to be fair, it was not looking good down the stretch. We were watching it together, not looking good. But again, this Miami defense and they're and they're forcing turnovers. This is what they did all year last year, and we talked about this. Uh, and everybody's talked about how well I don't know. We don't know if Miami defense can sustain their turnovers, and they did. And they turned it over at a really crucial time. Uh, the Pats were on like the ten yard line, and they they and that was it. That was the game. Run it out. Neil, game over. And I thought Tua looked good. I, I know that there's people who say um, you know, I, they weren't impressed by Tua, not by his stat lines. I will say this. This new offense and the new scheme that they've come up with, Sans Chan Gailey looks way better. Way more RPO. Way more... Way more... Um, uh, way more... Like, yeah, option play. The option play, the uh, they ran a couple decent screens like i the ball that he threw to Devonte parker along the sideline he slung that thing with pressure um he ran in for a touchdown jalen waddle got a touchdown um, and this is all without will fuller like who's going to help them stretch the field so i look at this and i say man i don't think that the miami offense knocked anybody's socks off week one and obviously they only scored 17 points so it wasn't but like keeping in mind um New England's defense is going to be better this year because they actually got players back, and we talked about that too. So it's not – this was going to be a defensive battle from the get-go. It was Miami got the job done, and I am now even more optimistic about Miami's chances if Tua can even just play a decent game. It doesn't have to be unbelievable, but just just play okay. Like, And then I, no. I, thought, he, I thought he did that. Yeah, and that's the that's, uh, same thing as I talk about the Broncos. Like, Teddy Bridgewater's just good enough. And that's what I saw from Tua in week one. He was good enough. I saw signs that were nice. And then the interception, actually, I'll blame on Gasecki. It hit him in the head and the chest, and he couldn't yep. at least knock it down. So the interception wasn't his fault. But, yeah, he didn't stand out. He's no – like, you look at the pick he was, and I'm like, ah, I don't know if he should have been that high still. But he was good enough. And with this defense being the way it is, that's all you need to be. Plus, you have playmakers around him. So he's definitely earned enough to clearly be their starter. Jacoby Brissett's only short yardage Brissett still. So, but yeah, yeah biggest thing enough, they're missing. And it was yeah. a big win. And they, and they were missing that run, that, that main running back. I thought Gaskin was just fine. Um, but they're missing that piece. Like, like, there's no doubt about that. And um, 
on our on friends of the show SGP's podcast, they were doing a recap as well, and they're talking about how you know Miami fans were giving them the gears and talking about how it's a team game, even though two. What by the way, that was me. I was the one tweeting that uh, at Sean because he's been shitting on him. We'll see what happens against the Bills next week. Um, it could be a big fu game. Uh, you'll have to tune in on Thursday when we release the prediction show to go uh, for that. But um, I'm feeling good. I, I, I like starting the season not going 0-2, so even a 1-1 split against the division opponents, I'm good with that. So moving into the Sunday night game, we had Chicago going to the Rams. Rams laying 7.5. What an easy cover. And it, Yeah. It was an easy cover, but the one thing that I will say is, is that I actually didn't – I was not impressed by the Rams – in that in those in that short distance defense, like they stopped the run, I, I that that was fine. But those underneath passes, they got exposed a lot, and I thought that the Bears actually had more too many opportunities. Like if that was a decent offense, because the Bears aren't good, but if that was a decent offense, that game, I think the Rams could have got exposed. Um, but that being said, from a fantasy perspective, I thought they were fine. They put up great stats. I thought overall they had it locked down. I thought Ramsey looked good, uh, but. I don't know. For me, I the, like the Bears went from the thirty yard line to the thirty yard line way too easy. They couldn't get it done down the stretch, which maybe it's this bend don't break defense. Uh, maybe that's their idea. Yeah. But they were again, letting it's only, Andy it's only, Dalton. Yeah, it's only they week were one. Letting two. Andy Dalton play the dip and duck offense. If you're gonna give the Rams defense shit for like that, then you got to give Miami's defense shit like that because they do that every game too. Miami ranked twenty sixth in yards given up last year. Yeah, like they did the exact same thing. So. And especially when the Rams went up early and he just learned the difference between Stafford and Goff. And oh, yeah. it was like the third play of the game is like a 67 yard touchdown to Van Jefferson later in the game, 53 yard touchdown to Cooper cup. And the only thing I'll say about this, I mean, Stafford looked great. Everyone all week. I just saw, Oh, look at Stafford. He's finally got weapons. Look what he could do. The guy played with Megatron for years. <laughs> what more of a weapon do you want? The guy is the best wide receiver I've ever seen. You need more than that. But no, Stafford with multiple weapons in a Sean McVay offense looked unbelievable. And if they can figure that out now with a capable quarterback, they're right up there still for Super Bowl favorites. And they basically did everything I thought they did. The only thing is get Andy Dalton out of there, Chicago. I want to see Justin Fields. I understand why you didn't put him in week one. You didn't want Aaron Donald killing him in week one. He played a couple snaps and looked really good. Got the got touchdown. touchdown. Yep. So week two, put him in. You're not facing Aaron Donald anymore. Let's move on. Let's build on it. Treat it like the Jets. You're not going to make the playoffs this year. You're going to be decent, but let's build around the young pieces you have and have a promising year. Andy Dalton ain't it, but we already knew that. So it's not a big surprise, but we got one last game. Monday nighter. Do we have to talk about this one? I don't nah, want to talk about this, this is one another either. one that I'm so choked about because like I put big money on the on the Vikes. A lot of my parlays, I had a sizable unit bet on them on just straight up, like minus three, five and a half. And I'm like, okay, lost that. Let's get it back on Monday night with the Ravens. Their defense is gonna show up. Um, you know, Lamar's gonna have a big game. I didn't need him in fantasy this week, so we had a matchup and he played for you on your team. And I was like, okay, I'm good with like a mediocre, but I still wanted it to be good enough. Like 30 points from Lamar and a, and a uh, Ravens win would have suited me just fine. And what do they do? They lose twice. This Not once, twice. This offensive line is horrible. They made Max Crosby look like he was Aaron Donald. <laughs> like Max Crosby is a decent player. 
Like, by no means is he below average. He's still an above average player. But they made him look like he was Aaron Donald. He was literally all over Lamar every single play. Villanueva looked like I would if I was trying to block a guy. Other than he's a lot bigger than me. But he would have been just as effective. And... This defense is really in question for the Ravens. That kind of hurt. I mean, Darren Waller is impossible to match up against. I do get that. The guys His targets were stupid, by the way. Stupid. <laughs> he had like six catches on like 17 targets before he even got like like that was like in the third quarter. That's just ridiculous. And you can't you can double him, by the way, all you want. Go ahead. But like you're not stopping that dude. It's impossible. Ten reception ten receptions on nineteen targets for hundred and five yards and a touchdown. Like, this guy's unbelievable. I picked him up in a full PPR fantasy league in the second round, and people are like, really, Darren Waller? I'm like, yeah, he gets like 40% of their targets. Why wouldn't you pick him up in PPR? The guy's a freak. And, I mean, some credit to the, the Raiders. Their offense looked good, and it did at times last year as well. And that's, again, Darren Waller is unbelievable. Carr is actually not bad. If you look at him fantasy-wise over the last couple of years, he's been pretty solid. But... Again, I had the Ravens missing the playoffs, and they're going to KC next week. They're in tough, especially with how good the Steelers looked in week one, and the Ravens look not good. The Ravens gift-wrapped this game and gave it to the Las Vegas Raiders. Gave it to them. They intercepted in overtime a ball in the end zone. You would think that at least they would have tied this game, but no, they didn't. Like, they, they... and and the Raiders, as I said, they won it twice. They won it in overtime, got called back, and then they won it again. Like, it's, it's, ah, oh, man. And and we asked our friend, friend of the show, Jake, NFLBlitz.me, like, he, we asked him legit, like, non-homer, is the Ravens the play? He's like, yes, Ravens are the play. Uh, Ravens were not the play. And it's so hard to look on that in hindsight. They should have been the play, but man, I don't know. It, it was just, that, that was just one of those things where like Monday night, you lay it all on the line and you're hoping, Hey, this is going to make up for all my losses from the weekend, um, which I did fine overall, but they laid another egg and just disappointed everybody. So as I wrap up and give you our records, I wanted to touch on the stats from the weekend because I, I did not have a great weekend. Dogs this week were 12 and four against the spread, which is pretty good. It's a week one record in the NFL. Yep. Dogs won nine out of 16 games straight up. There was six games that went over and 10 games that went under. This was basically the best weekend possible for the books in week one of NFL. So nobody did really good. No, the books were huge up in money. People did not do good. I lost a bunch of money. So, do you got anything to say on all that, Burke? What's our records after week one? So, you actually had a decent week, 53%, 8-7, and the one push with the Detroit game. You hit your lock, so perfect in locks t- still. Still. Changing sports, but still. I, I was hitting at 40%, 6-9-1 with the same push. I missed my lock. I will not be betting on Kirk Cousins anytime soon. I think that's fair. And again, like all you have to do is get close to 50%. Week one is, is one of the hardest weeks to do ATS. Um, moving into week two, we will see if we can make some money back. And that episode is coming out Thursday. Um, so we're going to be uh, really excited for that episode two of the week. And that's kind of your, uh, it's kind of your wrap up. So Cam, 
I'm going to ask you the last thing before we kind of end this one off. What was one thing that you, what's your biggest learning from this week? One thing that you learned. I am not going to bet for the AFC South. <laughs> they are not good. The division's not good. I got my one win out of the Texans, so let's move on. And I will not be betting on that division because they are not good. And same with uh, the Minnesota Packers division. They are trash too. So uh, bet good divisions, even good bad teams and good divisions, and bad divisions, even mediocre teams, don't bet. That's what I learned. Did you learn anything through week one, Burke? Uh, yes. I learned that... Well, there's a couple there's a couple of things that I learned. The first thing is don't draft Raheem Mostert in like the fifth round as a running or third or fourth round as a running back ever because he gets hurt. So that was a tough pill to swallow. And in terms of gambling, I learned that you probably sh- in a game that should be a 50-50 game when you already had a big L on the weekend, on the Sunday, sometimes it's best to keep the money in your account and don't go chasing waterfalls because it's going to bite you in the ass, which it did with the Ravens this week. Next time, I'm not going to do that if it's that much of that, a that, that uncertainty. That should be every, everyone's rule. Don't try and make up your losses on Monday Night Football. If Sunday was bad, just suck it up. There's always next week. Don't Thursday. try and make up your losses on the Monday Night game. And we just like to say always that only bet money that you can afford to lose and all that kind of fun stuff. Just practice safe gambling, and that's uh, great. So that's all we got. That is episode one for this week. I'm excited to get to our ATS picks. Anything else, Cam? Are you good? Are we just saying fins up? Let's fucking go. Yeah, fins up going into week two. We will talk to you guys Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter, at over six sports, at C. Charlton Turf and at Zach Burke over six and for the over six sports podcast. I am Zach the Bandenberg and with me as always. No, still just Cameron Charlton. The Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Thanks for listening to over six and we'll talk to you later this week.